Let us pray. So, Father, we thank you that you invite us through Jesus to come into your presence, make our needs and requests known to you. So even now, Father, draw us to yourself and mold us and shape us into the image of Jesus. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. So good to see all of you this morning. Um, And thanks to all who came out for our services on Ash Wednesday as we began Lent. We had very, very good attendance, including 35 people at the 6.30 a.m. service. And so um, thank you all so very much. And it did my heart good to see everyone out that day. As I've already said, today is the first Sunday in Lent. That season of 40 days leading up to Easter, which began this past Wednesday. Just by way of background, as we read Wednesday in the preface, or the invitation rather, to a holy Lent, part of the purpose of Lent in the early church was twofold. One, to prepare new converts to the faith for baptism, which would take place on Easter. And then also for those who had been um, put out of the church or were under discipline due to notorious sins, but who were, were, were repentant, were penitent, it was a time for them to be restored to the faith and received back in the fellowship of the body. What I want to do this morning is, is on this first Sunday of Lent is to look at our reading from St. Mark's Gospel, specifically verses 12 through 13, which describe the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. As we do this, we will identify some principles from this scripture passage, and then we'll make some specific applications for us during this Lenten season. In Mark 1, 12 through 13, we read of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. This record of his 40 days in the wilderness is found in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it is always the reading on the first Sunday of Lent, the gospel reading for this week, regardless of whether it's year A, year B, or year C in the lectionary cycle. Mark's account is unique in that it is by far the shortest, just two verses, where we read, the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Despite Mark's account being by far the shortest, even even in its brevity, Mark gives us some details not mentioned specifically in the other two accounts. The emphasis on Mark is a little bit different, yet complementary to the, the accounts in Matthew and Luke. And this event follows immediately on the heels of Jesus being baptized by John in the River Jordan. Jesus' baptism takes place on the edge of the wilderness. So let's take a few moments as we look at this text um, in some detail to make some application to our lives. And I have three main points of emphasis this morning. First, Jesus was walking in God's will, verse 12. Following his baptism in Mark verse 1, 10 through 11, we read of the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus like a dove and a voice coming from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Now in verse 12 we read that immediately the Holy Spirit drives Jesus out into the wilderness. Immediately the Holy Spirit drives Jesus out into the wilderness. 
This is very strong wording, much more strong than simply being led or directed to do something. The word drive here is the same word that is used elsewhere to describe Jesus driving or commanding demons to come out of people. So for those of you who play golf, and that's not me, just to be clear, um, think of the difference between putting a golf ball and hitting it with a driver. And the force, the compelling force that is there when you hit that golf ball with the driver. The same Holy Spirit who visibly descended on Jesus is now driving or thrusting him out into the wilderness. And the implication is clear that the testing that Jesus was to endure was indeed God's will. It was part of God's plan. Jesus going out into this rather unpleasant experience, to say the least, was an act of obedience to the will of his Father. And the ordeal would last 40 days, which parallels with our 40-day observance of Lent. Yet even after that time in the wilderness was finished, it wasn't as if Jesus was never tempted to disobey the will of the Father again. Not the case at all. So what's the point here for you and me? Well, first, simply because we are walking through something which is difficult doesn't necessarily mean that we are somehow out of God's will or walking in disobedience. Did you hear that? People endure hardship because of faithfulness to Christ and fidelity to the gospel. Now, to be clear, there are people who also endure hardship at times because of poor, sinful, ungodly choices they've made. It can be either one, but one of the most prominent lies that has crept into the Western church in many sectors and is very much a component of the prosperity gospel is that the idea, the erroneous idea, that if you are walking in God's will, nothing bad or difficult will happen to you. That is absolutely a lie. Consider the early church. Tell that to the apostles who died as martyrs. Consider the Christians down through the centuries who died because of faithfulness to Christ. Think of our brothers and sisters around the world today who are suffering, like our brothers and sisters in Nigeria, who are suffering because of faithfulness to Christ and fidelity to the gospel. Jesus was indeed walking in God's will when the Spirit drove him out into this challenging experience in the wilderness. Second, in the beginning of verse 13, walking in God's will doesn't eliminate temptation. Verse 13 tells us that Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. Unlike the other Gospels, Mark gives no specifics regarding the nature of this temptation, but Mark does give us an additional detail that he was with wild animals. Interestingly, this is a detail only recorded in Mark's account. And noting this fact serves to help heighten the intensity and the danger of the scene for us. As one commentator observes, in the wilderness there is neither seed nor fruit, water nor growth, Man cannot live there. Only frightening and unwanted kinds of animals dwell there. So why is it that Jesus is being so intensely tempted to disobey his heavenly father? 
Why is he being tempted to sin? Well, in large part, I think it is because Satan knew what was at stake. Jesus' determined obedience to God and his determination to remain in the wilderness inevitably even necessarily leads to a clash with Satan, the adversary of God. And this testing was necessary to prepare and equip Jesus more fully for what was to come. The coming abandonment by his friends, the isolation, the humiliation, the mocking, the scourging, all ending on the cross. Obedience, even to death on a cross. Why? <clears throat> well, to quote our New Testament reading this morning from 1 Peter, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. That he might bring us to God. <clears throat> so if Jesus, God the Son himself, was intensely tempted because he was doing the will of God, should we expect anything less in our lives? If we are walking in the will of God in obedience to him, we will experience adversity and we will be tempted. Satan denies, desires nothing more than to cause you and me to mess up and to mess up big time. Why? Because our sinning our stumbling, our falling hinders the spread of the gospel and it causes other people to stumble as well. We need to pray for people called to Christian leadership. People who Satan homes in on and tries to attack them at their most vulnerable place. Knowing that if they stumble it will cause many others to stumble as well. Now, to be clear, the fact that we are tempted doesn't mean we should run toward or flirt with temptation. That's not the way you overcome temptation. We overcome temptation by pressing in closely to God and through full, wholehearted obedience to him, which God makes possible. As I emphasized last Sunday, we must stay close to the Lord. I will come back and make some application of this in our, my conclusion this morning. But we must also remember that temptation itself is not an indication that we are walking outside of God's will. Rather, it may very well be an indication that we are very much walking in obedience to God. And let's not confuse temptation with the act of sinning. That's another thing that Satan, I think, tries to sometimes mess with us and our heads about even when we are intensely tempted, that isn't necessarily the act of sinning. It's acting on that temptation, stepping into that sinful way of being or acting or doing or speaking or thinking that is sin, not the temptation itself. Walking in God's will doesn't eliminate temptation, but in the midst of temptation, in the midst of it, God equips us to resist and overcome temptation. And that brings us to the final points, second half of verse 13. When we are walking in God's will, we have the assurance that God will strengthen us. 
In the example of Jesus and Mark's gospel, God sent angels to minister to Jesus. And to be clear, this struggle between God and Satan was not and is not some sort of conflict among equals. Sometimes we can let our thinking shift into that incorrect way of, of understanding things as well. As if somehow, and I know I've talked about this in previous sermons, but as if somehow God and Satan were on the same level. It was God and was Satan. That's called dualism, and that's not correct. That's not scripturally accurate. It's not even like this. It's like this. God and Satan. Remember, Satan is a created being in continual rebellion against God, his creator. He's a real being. And he brings against us everything that he can. But he's a created being and we serve the most high God. And when we are tempted, when we struggle, even when it is incredibly intense, for Christians, for God's children, for those who are in Christ, God always makes his power available to us to be victorious in the midst of that temptation, just like he did for Jesus, the eternal Son of God in human flesh. 1 Corinthians 10.13, a scripture all of us need to remember. No temptation has taken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. James 4, 6, God opposes the, opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Sometimes we hear people quote this, a portion of this verse. They will say, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But look what that short sentence is sandwiched in between, which really is the key to how the devil is resisted. First, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It is through submission to God. It is through drawing near to God that we can be victorious over temptation. God will, with the temptation, provide the way to escape that you may be able to endure it. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. What an appropriate focus for this first Sunday in Lent. So what are some of the ways that we can draw near to God? And this is certainly not an exhaustive list, but godly practices, things like prayer, fasting, study, meditating on Scripture, giving ourselves and our resources more fully to the work of God, becoming more fully and consistently a part of this Christian community, this community of believers, imperfect people that we are, together, iron sharpening iron and drawing closer to Christ. We have a list of Lenten resources that came out in our newsletter and would encourage you to avail yourself of those. 
I'd encourage you to, if you don't use the prayer room with regularity, you begin using the prayer room. If you need the code to the door, just call the church office. The prayer room is available 24-7. I'm not saying the code because I'm on the internet right now and um, probably should announce it to the whole wide world. But call the church office. We'll be glad to give you that code. The list could go on and on. But all of the things I've mentioned and so many other things are spiritual disciplines. They are joyful, freeing practices given to us and modeled to us by Jesus himself and given to us by God. And the point, the point of that is that our hearts and lives are more fully aligned with the heart and the mind and the will of God. As God works in us and we draw closer to God. And the more and more we do this, the more powerfully the presence and grace of God is at work in our lives. Equipping us to more fully and wholeheartedly obey him. And as this happens bit by bit, more and more, as we're drawing closer to God, the power of temptation over us loses its hold. Its power over us becomes less and less and less. Why? It isn't simply be about self-denial or jumping through hoops. All of these things we've talked about, these disciplines I've just mentioned, things I talked about in my message on Ash Wednesday, they're about God having more of us. About us making more room for the work and the will of God in our lives as by his spirit, he works to strengthen us and mold and shape us more and more and more into the image of Jesus. Lent, these 40 days, are a good place to start afresh or perhaps by God's grace to step things up, but not just for 40 days. Instead, may it be for the long haul as God continues that pruning and that work in our lives. Someone said to me after first service, he said, I realize God doesn't just take it all away. It's more like God's pulling a weed out here and a weed out there, and bit by bit, more space is made for God in my life as that clutter and that junk is removed. And this happens so that God is glorified, and so individually and all of us together, as a family of faith, as a church family, in Christ can walk in victorious obedience to God and to all that he wills to accomplish in and through us. That's what this is about. That's what these 40 days are about. God working his will more fully in and through you and me. Let us pray. So, Father, we thank you for the example of our Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son incarnate in human flesh and blood, and that Christ has gone before us, not only in the wilderness, but on the cross and through his death and resurrection, which we'll celebrate just a few weeks from now. Father, thank you for your promise that as we submit ourselves to you, as we draw near to you, you will strengthen us and you will indeed make way in every temptation, in every circumstance. 
that in you and by your grace and power, we can stand strong. So Lord, in these 40 days of Lent, may we draw close to you. May we press in. May Lord, we, we discipline our flesh, not simply to chastise ourselves, but Lord, may we discipline ourselves and yield ourselves to you to make more room for your good and gracious work in our lives and in this church and to position ourselves to be more fully used by you for your plan and purposes. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.